Welcome to the Gold Circle, Australia's number one netball podcast. I'm your host, Nick Blinker, and with me, as always, is Luke Top. Hello! On Skype, because he's in a moon boot. Are you still in a moon boot? I am still in a moon boot. Good. And it sucks. Because you're looking after that ankle, finally. Finally, yeah, because it really happened, like, two months ago, and I have been so busy with work that I was kind of like, it'll be okay, and it wasn't. And now your ankle's getting the rest it deserves. Yeah. And so it should. And keep that in mind, listeners. If you injure yourself, go and see a doctor and get it sorted. Otherwise, <laughs> you will not be able to do many things. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. We're here to talk round 13 of Suncorp Super Netball Series. And we're going to start with the first game of the weekend, which was the Queensland Firebirds upsetting the Greater Western Sydney Giants netball team 56 to 53. Um, Luke, yeah, you got to be happy with this one because you, you tipped yeah. the Firebirds. Did I? I don't. Yeah. I think. Did I? Oh, okay. Well, that's good then, because I thought I tipped the Giants and was like, my bad. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like ninety percent sure you chose the Firebirds and I chose the Giants that's this time. Good. Yeah. No, that's good then. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, this was awesome. I was really happy. Um, I thought Gabby Simpson was awesome. Um, I thought Clemesha was steady and Shimon was good. Um, Tippett shot more, which I was happy about. I thought, all in all, it was really good. And um, Nevin's great too. I mean, Tippett had like those sort of low, the low percentage, but again, like we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, she's been putting up the volume that sort of allows that scoring offset from Aitken, where she inevitably misses those shots. She missed nine shots, and she went 40 or 49 with 81% clip. Um, I think Tippett also just being a bit more confident and taking those shots uh, is is opening up avenues for the Firebirds like they used to, um, and especially against the Giants team that, um, for the most part, are very good defensively. They're a, a very well-rounded unit, um, obviously missing a key piece in Kim Green. Um, but for me, the, this, was, um, this has got to be a disappointing loss for, for the Giants. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree with that. Pettit and Harden shot um, 78 and 84% respectively. Chrissy Bryce ended up getting a run and got 90% off 11 shots. But I don't know. For me, I just felt like the Giants just... Like, it's so, it's hard to describe because, like, my my watching them in that second quarter where they lost the, they lost, they lost the quarter 14 to 9, I feel like they just didn't... Their heads weren't in the game at all. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a result of just maybe the length of the season. I mean, you've got like what, 14 weeks of, of netball every single week, barring like one week off during Easter. Um, but the, the giants to me just didn't look locked in at all. Um, especially for a team that has had a couple of upsets over the last couple of weeks and, um, should be using those upsets and those losses to, to, to get better and to roll on into, into the finals. Um, and it doesn't feel like they're getting that, that momentum that they, um, they should have moving into the finals, especially against a Vixens team that's, you know, that sort of lashed back um, after their loss against the Giants last week. Um, for me, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really get much out of watching the Giants this week. I feel like the, the Firebirds were really enjoyable, and obviously, three point win is is a win, but I don't know. Just for me, this this game just lacked a lot of. I don't know. It wasn't that interesting, to be completely honest. Oh, 
Ouch. Um, <laughs> Nothing against yeah, the Firebirds. I think, look, I think my biggest takeaway from it was um, in the fourth quarter, the death lineup, Bryce, Harden, Pettit. I think, honestly, if they had started that, um, I'm not sure that they would have had such a huge deficit in the second quarter. Um, I definitely see that sort of moving forward. Is I think they're just going to have to bite the bullet and do that. Um, yeah. Because really, it's the only way they're going to win sort of moving into the finals. Because um, I just think Davies doesn't... You know, she's a great player, um, but I just don't think she quite has the experience that, you know, Susan Pettit has. And I don't think Sarah Wall has the legs to go that amount of time um, and sort of maybe also a little bit of the skill level and experience as well. So, yeah, I, w- I would just do death lineup. That's what this game told me. Yeah, I feel like, like Julie Fitzgerald was a little bit... I feel like, like Fitzgerald has that sort of um, coach poppy behavior in terms of she she's willing to, to make those substitutions if, if a player's not playing up to the standard that she wants to see every single week. Um, and I feel like in that second quarter, it became relatively clear that the Hart and Pettit and the Giants themselves just sort of didn't. Ha- they were they were lacking that option, and like we said, you know that that whole death lineup. I, I think having Christy Bryce come on in that second quarter makes the makes the Giants far more efficient and allows them to claw back, you know, a five point deficit, um, which basically balloons out to a seven point deficit when they lost the first quarter by two points. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Julie Fitzgerald relied a bit too much on Harton and Pettit. I mean, so you should. They're some of the best shooters in the world. But when it's clear that Laura Klamesha and, and Kate Shimon are actually defending them extremely well, and um, and so and same with Gabby Simpson, who I, I need to talk about in a second, um, the Firebirds just showed such a, a really well-rounded game when the Giants should have been showing the Firebirds that. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um, I think I think for the Firebirds as well, this is a bit of a um, you know a bummer because they really sort of got themselves together, um, you know, in this game. And I, I think you know they probably had a better second half than they did you know start. Um, and it's kind of frustrating that they're not in the finals. Obviously, from the result of this game. Yeah, I, I, I no, I do agree. I mean, if. For those of you that, ha- that aren't aware of the ladder, basically the finals are locked now, so the Firebirds will not be playing finals netball this year, which is a, quite a shock. Um, I figured that they would probably edge out the Magpies, but it became relatively clear in the last two weeks that that may not happen. Um, and the Firebirds have just started winning games too late, and the, the Magpies just started winning games uh, at the perfect time. And, and it's so interesting that that sort of finals locking of those teams into the bottom into the bottom half of the four um, has relied so much just on basically a back and forth and hoping and praying that the magpies would you know lose lose to the fever this week which we'll get to um, shortly so it's a real bummer like you said I think that the firebirds aren't going to make it because they're really <sighs> Gabby Sims like this whole team for the most part deserves to be making the finals again um, obviously not having guys McMenamin is is vital but these these women should be there because they've got they've got you know two like a back to back championship wins in the A's and champs, um, yeah. and 
If they can yeah. keep if they can keep this team together though, um, I think you know if Aaron Berger can play a full season, um, it's going to be they'll be pretty good next year. I think if they can keep all these people together. No, I do agree. I I, I think yeah, for me the Firebirds. I don't know about Aaron Berger, just mainly because I feel like she's got too many ties in South Africa to actually really commit to a full season at the Firebirds. Yeah. So I don't know what their cap space situation's like in terms of keeping her. So I think they might be praying that Malia Cassidy comes back from her um, her injury. Um, I don't actually know. What, what's the time? Because it was an ACL blowout, blowout wasn't it? Or Achilles. Yeah, no, it was an ACL. Because yeah. that generally indicates it's about, what, like a year's recovery? Oh, yeah. yeah I think it depends on how bad... Um, um, whether they took it from the hamstring or not, I think it really it really depends um, on also on the athlete. But yeah, it's like eight to twelve months, I guess. Yeah, so I, I feel like they're going to be banking on how Cassidy recovers before they sort of try to um, lock in Burger's services for for the entire season next season. Because I think she was a really good addition in terms of experience, but. I'd prefer the Firebirds to run with a lineup that's a bit more younger and get that blend of young, up and coming talent. Kimmy Rav comes back. And Kimmy Rav comes back in your dreams. Um, no way. <laughs> I reckon if, if Magpies don't win, um, I reckon Kimmy Rav's coming back. I bet you five dollars that she doesn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reckon uh, she will. Okay, all right. I know that there's factors that would play into that in terms of just how relatively disappointing a season's been, um, but we'll we'll talk Do about that. Do they even have player options where they can just like opt out? Do they even get that? I have no idea. Uh, the contract situation with this stuff was not at all covered by any sort of media outlet, and I don't even think the pros that have the insight, a la you know um, Liz Ellis, God bless her. Um, I don't think they have any insight into how the actual contracts work in terms of player options and then free agency and all that kind of stuff. So um, I figured that all of them are on one-year deals just to see how the competition plays out. Um, And then if the competition was successful, then those contracts are able to be renewed with like first options for the team or something like that. Yeah, see, I thought they would have put Waits and um, Leighton on like solid contracts. And then... um, Basically, everyone else sort of would have been on rando ones. Yes. I imagine that's probably the case. Your premier players basically get in the longer contracts and then your, your players that are sort of in the middle of the road um, would probably be getting those mid-level deals to uh, so you're not going through the cap and all that kind of stuff. But um, just before we move off this, Cath uh, Cox was asked um, during... Oh, Christ, I can't remember which game it was. One of the games on the weekend... And she made a mention of what her Diamond Squad was. And I thought one of the worst picks I've seen, and this is nothing against Ash Brazel, was Ash Brazel getting selected over Gabby Simpson for the start. I see that. I did. I, I must have heard it. Um, yeah, I I don't understand that. I am. I was. I looked at that team and I was like... No offense to Ashley Brazel. She has had a better season. But, I mean, honestly, come on. Yeah, like, come on, like, Gabby Simpson is the best wing defender in the world. Yeah. So, there's no reason that you'd choose Ash Brazel. You're, you're choosing, I think, Kath Cox sort of chose her given the current form of the Magpies and how she's affecting the Magpies, which is obviously, she's having a Brazel really good season. definitely had a better season, but I would probably pick 
Ingalls as the backup wing D over Simpson just because of her pedigree. Like, Absolutely. Um, Ingalls and then, needs that call up. And then probably Jess Anstis and then probably Brazel. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just the, the Brazel pick sort of dumbfounded me because I was like, pray that I, I'm glad that you're not on the board of selectors for the, for the diamonds because that lineup would get t- like toasted by New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, um, we'll move on because we're going to talk the, uh, sunshine, <laughs> so the sunshine coast. Like, yeah, I'm going to get too frustrated. Um, the sunshine coast lightning beating New South Wales Swift 63 to 49, I think in the, the lightning's last home game of the season, um, before they go over to, uh, Sydney this week. We, so, um, this was a this was an excellent game from the Lightning. Um, it was, yes. Jeeva Mentor seven intercepts, 10, <laughs> ten deflections, four rebounds. Like I'm going to be sick. Um, and, and Carla Mostert as well. Um, I'm so impressed that Mostert has found and settled into her role. I know that at the start of the season we talked about how she played a bit erratic and sort of a bit too aggressive. Um, and I feel like she's found the perfect amount of aggression and, and drive towards the ball. Um, and I think having that sort of calm captain in Jiva Mentor behind you really helps with that too. Yep. Um, th- yeah, no, I I thought um, I thought both of them, I mean, I guess all season, we sort of talked about Mentor having sort of, would you say a career season? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen her play this well. I, I don't. Uh, honestly, just f- in terms of a memorable season, I feel like this would probably be her most memorable season um, that I that I can recall um, enough. Uh, she's flourishing in that system, and I think she's also stepping up to the challenge of of having the captaincy of the, of the team and, and running the team with the the veteran sort of sub leadership, I guess, of Langman and Bassett. Um, yeah. And mentor is just sort of proving that she is. I think she. I don't know if I'd want to say she's the best defender in the in the league currently because there's so many good defenders. Um, but for me, every single week, I feel like mentor steps up um, and, and puts up those ridiculous defensive displays. Um, I know that Maddie Turner over the last couple of weeks has been um, unbelievably good. Um, on the deflections and intercepts as well, but she had more of a quiet game for this, no intercepts and five deflections, but still uh, one turnover and limited penalties as well, which is really good. Um, yeah. uh, the only concern that I sort of have for the lightning moving into the finals is that I feel like sometimes Nolene Tarua's defensive substitutions between Mostert and Makare um, random. A bit random. Um, I feel yep. like if it's really clear that it's not working, you need you need to start subbing them out. But for me, I think the basic the, the ba- your basic starting um, defender should be mental Mostert. And I, was, pers- I think it was the Firebirds they put Makari on there instead of Mostert, um, and then Mostert came on, and you know it worked a lot better. Yeah, I don't remember what game whether that was the first one of the season. I think it might have been like the third third game or something because I do remember that as well because Mostert hadn't yeah. actually gotten too much of a run and then I think Makari was giving away too many penalties. Yeah, because she's just like foul city. Like, yeah. Yeah, she's hack a shack. <laughs> I, I really do like Makari as a defender, but just Mostert is just seems to be in more of a controlled form at this point yeah. of the season and I think that's sort I mean, of what you run with. 
Mankari used to be a goalkeeper who's been sort of pushed out to goal defence. So yeah. it kind of, yeah. Um, do you want to see Langman starting at centre and playing at centre for the Lightning moving into the finals? Or would you want her back at wing D? I'm still liking her at wing D and having Sherry and um, run the run the centre. Yeah, look, I think Sharian's doing a really good job, to be honest. I don't think there's that sort of one of those unknown players that's stepped up um, quite like her, especially in such a um, in a position that pushes you around so much like Senna. Sharian has really stepped up to the plate while Langman has gone back to flourish in, in, in that wing defence. But, uh, but I role. think also, if you need to change up um, that mid-court, it really gives her a lot of options. Um because we've seen Mostert in wing defence and Langman in centre and then Sheridan in wing attack or Brown in wing attack or Brown in centre. Like, it gives you a lot of options. Um, Probably too many options. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. But, I mean, I really like the fact that they have those options. And and I guess also that, that those players have played those positions through the season going into finals. Um, so if they do make those changes, it's not a huge jump. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 she's got plenty of options. I, I think, like sort of going into finals time, I would expect um, that they you know sort of go through to the finals. I um, we'll we'll talk about the Swifts as well because I mean this is a less than ideal game for them. Only forty only forty nine points, um, getting really throttled by the Lightning um, this week. But um, I think Helen Housby was a late scratch. Yep. Um, I know that they announced that. So they were missing um, Housby's length uh, for the most part. Amy Somerville actually filled in quite nicely, but shot pretty average in terms of uh, percentages. She shot 10 out of 15, um, which I think, what's, what's the math on that? 66%. So, yeah, Somerville hasn't really had too much of a run this season. So I feel like obviously the rust is a bit, is still there. But I mean, at this point for the Swifts, they're just playing for pride really. Um, yep. And... Uh, for me, uh, I think Rob Bright is just going to be continuously testing um, his lineups moving into next week, and then um, they're going to have a. They're, they're one of those teams, and we'll talk about this probably in another episode. But they're one of those teams that are going to have a very interesting off season in terms of are they going to go out and acquire anyone, or are they just going to stick with the squad that they've got and they're going to move in and try and get that sort of vixens ish chemistry moving into the next season of of um, Super Netball. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, the, the Swiss are playing for pride and, and for the most part, like the, there was a couple of possessions that they, they, they had, which I was really quite impressed by, but the lightning just that system netball just locked them, locked them down from the get go. Um, yeah. and, and the Swiss are playing catch up pretty much immediately. I thought not starting McCulloch in wing defense and having Hadley in wing defense again was really weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it still baffles me because I felt like. McCulloch came on and she was like automatic. Um, I think she got like an intercept. She had like a really bad turnover uh, when she first came on, but then I think she got like an intercept and had a deflection as well. And yeah, she. Um, I thought she did pretty well. Yeah, just it, it baffles me what Rob Wright does sometimes. I know we talked about Hadley being pushed into the defensive position last week and... I don't know. I don't know what goes through that man's mind sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to move on to the uh, West Coast Fever losing to the uh, Collingwood Magpies, forty-nine to forty-two, um, after a stellar start from uh, West Coast. Um, 
the the magpies just turned it up um and yeah. it became obvious very quickly um and i i think this is Again, we talk about the, the GA problems the Magpies have. It was very clear from the get-go that Teague Neal did not want to shoot the ball, and she looked for every opportunity to offload that ball. And yep. I was, it was very pleasing to see Francis and Bruce adjust to that almost immediately, which was, yep. let her shoot, and we'll just double Thwaites. And yep. Thwaites, to her credit, shot 45 out of 49, which, again, it, she's having an insane shooting season as well, and she will be the starting... Um, shooter for the diamonds, and she deservedly so, to be completely honest. But really, yeah, yeah. Uh, other than her, her, her or Bassett, yeah, I think she's still going to be second fiddle to Bassett. Unfortunately, I, I feel like Thwaites is going to get more of a run um, when yeah, Bassett's going to get yeah. defended by those sort of, sort of taller and more physical defenders, and she might have those missed shots. And I think Lisa Alexander will rip her off the court immediately and put Thwaites on to sort of get those mid range shots and. I think for me, Thwaites showed me this game that she's such a versatile shooter. She doesn't like Bassett's key to her shooting and how good she is at it is her positioning and the ability to just stay under the basket. Um, whereas as soon as she sort of gets pushed out, she you know, and she gets into the mid range, she starts flubbing those shots. But Thwaites has, I think, locked down that sort of mid range to close post shooting compared to any other shooter in the game. Um, th- and that's why I'd probably put her as my starting shooter for, for the Diamonds and with Bassett as backup. Um, or just, uh, look, honestly, you, you're spoiled for choice with those two. Um, but for yeah, me... Together, yeah, together. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Twin Towers. Um, but uh, the, the Fever defensively, I think, um, in that first quarter looked really good. That ball movement looked really good. I, I think there were a couple of uh, defensive stops that the Magpies got where the Fever were basically moving that ball so fluidly up the court, and then they basically hit the attacking circle, and then everything would just grind to a halt because Beveridge was sort of out of position, and then Medhurst is out of the circle. There's a couple of really... Uh, I was genuinely surprised that the Fever got, in that first quarter, equaled the, the Magpies 12-all. Um, but I think it was also very effective because Beveridge kept coming out and drawing that sort of defense away from the post and allowing Medhurst to drive to that to that basket. Um, for the for the easier shot, um, yeah. the only issue is is that Medhurst and Beveridge, um, as the game sort of went on, couldn't convert. Um, uh, like Beveridge shot nine or thirteen in the third quarter, and Medhurst and and Beveridge as well missed like two or three shots pretty much every quarter, bar I think the first. Yeah. So there's I don't know I, I think that uh, yeah like. Verdi Charles, again, looked really good. So did Jess Ansis. Um, she's a freak. Um, but there's... I don't know. Like, Bruce and Francis looked really good. If, if Bruce had seven intercepts and two deflections, and Francis was a bit quiet, I think, um, on the defensive end uh, in terms of actually just sort of disrupting the circle. But I also think that um, Thwaites was just basically having the ball whenever she liked. Um, and, and also credit to Shay Brown as well, who was brought on um, pretty yeah. much. I think when, was she put on like in the third quarter? Uh, fourth quarter. I thought she came on. Third, oh, I remember. Yeah, third. yeah, yeah. No, it's been third. Um, yeah, I thought. Um, probably the biggest mistake they made. Um, was I think it was even at one point in the third or fourth quarter. Um, and 
they didn't double back on Thwaites when Shea Brown came on. I think Shea Brown got like one shot in and then the Francis sort of went, okay, I've got to like watch her driving into the circle because she had a really excellent drive. Yeah. Um, and I think that sort of lost it for them. I think they should have just let sat back and let Shea Brown, if she's going to shoot it, like win the game for them because um, then it sort of split the defenders again and I think, um, you know, they sort of ran away with it. Um after they got really close. I think, yeah, I, I mean, Thwaites, she she missed a couple of shots and she, oh, she, got, she rebounded two of her shots. So I think for me, looking at that, I would say that, like you said, having just basically doubling Thwaites for the entire game and, and letting Brown shoot them either out of the game or into the game, um, I think the Fever probably could have actually gotten that victory from from the magpies i mean they won the third quarter 13 to 10 but they also um didn't do particularly well in the second quarter losing at 16 to 9 so i don't know yeah. they're just so, just sort of execution stuff from the fever um lapses of concentration perhaps or um game fitness just things like that just didn't go their way and 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 the magpies won and and to, i mean to their credit um, Leighton, I think defense, Leighton, Leighton actually had a pretty good game. She had nine, nine deflections, th- three intercepts, and Brandley as well. Um, yeah, looked, I thought Brandley played quite well, actually. Yeah, um, so I feel like the Magpies defensively were locked in, especially in that first quarter, and that, that sort of movement of the ball were coming down the court, and it would just it would just stop. And, yep. you, they'd, and, and the Fever, I think, got called like three possessions in a row where they got called for held. So... Yep. If that's that's not good defense, I don't know what is. So, um, the yeah. Magpies are finding form when they when they need it. Um, it just depends on how they're going to convert that form in the finals, um, yeah. starting in two weeks. But yeah. um, we're going to move on to the final game of the week, which was the uh, Melbourne Vixens um, throttling the Adelaide Thunderbirds seventy-one to fifty. Um, <laughs> I think this is pretty much the same scoreline that the Vixens and the Thunderbirds had last time they played against each other. Right. Um, but just Emily Mannix. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Seven intercepts, seven deflections, 12 penalties as well. Thing, as you said earlier, the defense um, is just so crazy good. Like, it's going to be really hard to pick defenders for the Diamond Squad. I mean, it's just, it's littered with great players on great options. It's ridiculous. Honestly, like, and especially watching Western Mannix and, and watching Western sort of come back into the game after having sort of a relatively quiet game last week. Um, the Vixens bounce back really nicely, um, I think. And uh, it, it's so interesting that Tegan Phillip can shoot 74% and Kumwenda can shoot 90%, which is sort of below average for both of them. And they mm. can still win by 21 points. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, t- to Aaron Bell's credit, Aaron Bell had a really good game. She shot 99% of 26 of, of 29 shots. Yep. Um which is surprising to be completely honest cuz I've not seen her shoot that sort of volume of shots for a long time. Like this yep. feels like a really odd stat to look at. <laughs> yeah. Um and, and um for me Glasgow as well, 84%, but Karen Bailey had a really disappointing game at 8 of 8 of 11 um shots and 72% and it, just man again i i prefer to talk talk more about the vixens at this point because the thunderbirds again are just one of those teams that i can't solve um 
yet. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, do you think Tegan Phillips sort of solidifying a position for the Diamonds in, the, in GA at the moment? Um, that's a good question. I guess at the end of the day, it's going to be how she sort of interacts with Thwaites and Bassett when they go into camp. I mean, to me, she has, but if she doesn't gel well with those two, um, you know, it's a potential problem. Um, and, yeah. and at the end of the day, that's the interesting thing is you can have, you know, excellent, excellent players. And I think, you know, Susan Pettit was probably, you know, one who experienced this last year, you know, exceptional player for that whole season. But if they go into camp and they have a bad camp or, you know, their style of play just does not match up with, you know, the chosen shooter or the chosen wing attack and the chosen center, then she's not going to get that position so i i don't really know hey it's going to be so interesting to see um you know who washes out in the end as to see you know who makes the team because there's so many options there's so many different people that are going to be playing with each other that you know maybe haven't played together before so it's going to be interesting yeah i mean we'll, we'll, we'll probably do a special episode once the teams are announced i don't even know when the teams are being announced actually It'd be pretty soon wouldn't it I don't know. I, I think they've, they've got a camp soon. Yeah. Um, um, but it's like a midweek camp, so I'm not sure. Yeah, this game for me didn't do much either. <laughs> it's a 21-point yeah, no. blowout. It's a bit of a whitewash. Yeah. I mean, the, I think one of the most telling stats for me is that the Vixens' overall shooting was 71 oh. out of 84 shots. Imagine yeah. if they made those shots and the Thunderbirds shot 50 out of 59. <laughs> Imagine if they just, like, <sighs> yeah, it's ridiculous. 80, 80 from 84 or something like that would be their usual sort of stat line. So, yeah. just uh, 80. Oh, man. Just, <laughs> it's, it's so hard to sort of fathom um, how the Vixens can have such a poor night in terms of shooting and still put up 71 points. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. I don't know if that says volumes about the Thunderbirds or if it says volumes about the Vixens, but I don't know. I think, um, I think this also probably, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the midcourt um, as well, sort of with diamond selection. Because, mm. I mean, Liz Watson, Maloney, and Chloe Watson, I mean, you just, they're so good I and know. they have great chemistry. Um, it's really, I reckon it's actually going to be a real you know, potential changing of the guard, you know, if they all have good camps um, and they get selected, that's going to be a huge, um, maybe not so much Chloe Watson, but at least Liz and Kate Maloney definitely should have an opportunity yeah. to stick their hand up. Absolutely. And Joe Weston and Mannix as well. I mean, yeah, it's just... It's Those two be, are locks for sure. Yeah, they have to. I mean, because also they've got the chemistry together and they've played together. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think really you look back on, you know, sort of the start of the season and the potential issues that existing clubs had with being able to be competitive. You know, you look at the Swifts and you look at the Firebirds and you look at the Fever um, and the Thunderbirds. Um, and, yeah, the Vixens have really just turned it out, to be honest. Mm. Uh, and they've done extremely well. They sure have, especially this week. Um, they're they're again they're a scary team moving into the finals, which starts 
um, in two weeks. But we're going to talk round 14. Um, Luke, we're going to get some tips from you and myself. So we've got the Swifts playing the Firebirds in the final game of the season for both of these teams. Uh, the Swifts are playing at home. Who you got? Um, I'm going to say Firebirds. Yeah, I'm going to go the Firebirds as well. I like their form. I feel like it would be a really positive note for them to, to go out on top, um, especially against a Swifts team that's sort of, I think, might be missing Housby. I think they're going to just basically rest it for the, for the rest of the season now. Um, yep. So, yeah, I'm going to put the Firebirds down for a win as well. Um, we've got the Giants and the Lightning in a showdown between third and second. The Giants are playing at home, so it's a doubleheader in New South Wales. This, I think, will determine who is going to come out on top for the second and third seed in the finals. I'm going to go with the Lightning. I'm going to go with the Lightning as well. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm liking them at the moment. I think that loss this week to the Firebirds is going to make the Giants a bit more hungry, but I just feel like the Lightning are going to execute a bit better down the stretch. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we got the uh, Fever and the Vixens. Uh, Fever's playing at home um, in their final game of the season. <laughs> um, uh, this, look, I don't think the Vixens are going to beat them by, like, 20, but... Um, it's going to be a win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe 10? Um. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, we can do it by margin. Okay, I reckon the Vixens will win by eight. Yeah. Okay. Um. That's I reckon, yeah. yeah. I, I like uh, I like the Fever's defense. Um. On on Philip and Kumwen, to that, be completely honest. Oh, uh, I think they could be a little too quick. That is true. Uh, Francis, no, Francis is quite mobile. Yeah, but she's yeah, insanely uh, fast. Yeah, I I just yeah I don't think Fever are going to be able to shoot it out. Yeah. Um, and the uh, final game for the Thunderbirds as well, uh, playing the Magpies. Thunderbirds are playing at home. I'm going with the Magpies because the Thunderbirds can't seem to win. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah. It's going to be, yeah. It's, it's really um, kind of, yeah, a bit of a, might be a little bit of a blowout weekend other than the Giants and the... Um, the Lightning. Uh, lightning, yeah. That's, yeah, that that is... Um, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, um, that, and that's it. Round 14 next week um, is the final full round of netball we've got, and then we're going into finals. So in terms of schedule, we'll, we'll continue to maintain this schedule um, as the, the season goes out, and obviously we'll do a couple more specials for the uh, uh, for the postseason um, team discussions and also diamond selection as well. So um, fear not, your favourite netball podcast is not going anywhere for a while. So... <laughs> um, remember Australia's number one netball podcast and on that note uh, we, are, we are we are going you can get us on uh, Twitter at the goal circle and email the goal circle at gmail.com um, give us reviews iTunes and all that kind of stuff thank you so much for listening guys um, the yeah uh, there's a, quite a few of you have been listening over the course of the season I just want to th- say thank you very much um, for sort of sticking with us and um, yeah and sending us some uh, nice messages. Um, I mean, we've got a small group of us, even though it's the number one netball podcast in the country. Um, there's a small group of us that uh, follow the um, the show consistently over the course of the next few weeks. So we are pumped to give you more and more episodes as um, the season progresses and as it gets to um, hopefully an epic finale. So we'll see how it goes. But anyway, guys, we are out of here for this week. We'll be back next week with round 14.